If you have your Bibles, open them to Psalms chapter 28. As we make our way through the, the book of Psalms, Psalms 28. If you're just visiting with us, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors, and I've had the privilege the last couple months to start the book of Psalms. We're not going to do all 150 chapters um, at once, but we're going to break it up. We have some plans for the summer, but which will be great. But we are, we do find ourselves in Psalms 28. We're going to try to tackle a few chapters tonight. Thanks to Pastor Kevin for filling in last week. He did chapter 27, and I didn't get a chance to finish the message, but I will intend to do that. So, but I hear it was a blessed time. So, um, Psalms 28, as we continue this study, we come to one of those chapters that we don't know much of the context, not uh, the exact context of the writing. All we know is it's a Psalm of David. So let's kind of just dive right in. A Psalm of David, verse 1, let's just read it all the way through and then we'll dive back in. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, do not be deaf to me, for if you are silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked and with those who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Requite them according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requite them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them for their recompense. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the deeds of his hands, he will tear them down and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts and with my song I shall thank him. The Lord is their strength and he is a saving defense to his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also, and carry them forever. Now, in the first two verses, David begins this psalm crying out to the Lord in a time of dire emergency. Again, we don't know exactly what's going on in his life, what made him pin these exact words, but David here is earnestly entreating the Lord for his presence, for his nearness. He says in verse one, let's look at it again. To you, O Lord, I call my rock, and do not be, do not be deaf to me, for if you are silent, I will become like those who will go down to the pit. David David, once again, and I love this about David, acknowledges who God is in his life. He's once again casting all of his reliance, dependence upon the Lord. He calls the Lord, notice in verse 1, my rock. I love that. David acknowledges God as his firm foundation. A rock symbolizes stability, right? Security. And David says, Lord, that's who you are to me. 
And when everything else in life is falling apart, when everything in life feels like we're just walking on quicksand and just sinking further down as the days go on, Lord, you're my rock, you're my foundation. I love that. And then he says these interesting words, do not be deaf to me. Because David's confidence, as we've been looking at, was fully fixed upon the Lord, having the Lord not hear him would be the worst possible scenario that David can imagine in his life. The worst possible scenario. How many of you remember your dreams at night? Like if you have a dream, do you guys remember it the next day? Kind of grew, some of us kind of grew out of that as when we were kids. Um, I don't really remember many of my dreams, but... One of the things I hate having are nightmares. You guys probably all agree with that. You're like, I love nightmares. Like, no, like none of us like our nightmares. And and the reason I don't like them is when I remember them, they're so vivid. They're so real. And you're like, oh my gosh, was that, was that that like for real? Or it's like, you know, you're kind of waking up in a sweat. But one reoccurring nightmare that I've had over the years, and maybe you've had a similar one, is that I'm in this situation where I'm running from like, the bad guy or whatever, whoever's chasing me. And um, I'm running in slow motion and everyone else is not. (laughs) Everyone else is just like normal speed, maybe like two times like speed, kind of like a podcast you're listening to. You're like, let's speed that up. Like that's, that's how I feel. Like I'm running like, and they're like, they're just like going. And then, and then I get captured and probably something bad happens. Um, I don't know where those come from. I don't ever put myself like in my real life in those situations, but Another one that I've had growing up is when I'm in this horrible circumstance or situation, I need help desperately, and I'm screaming on the top of my lungs, but no one can hear me. The words I'm trying to yell, I'm trying to yell. They just don't make any sounds. No one hears me. No one rescues me. No one saves me. And I end up probably dying or whatever the nightmare kind of concludes with. When I read David's words here, do not be deaf to me. That's what I think about. When I was just looking over this this morning, I was like, man, Lord, when I'm in that difficult situation, I can kind of relate to David. Like, I'm crying out to you because you're my rock, right? That's what David's saying. Because you're my rock, God. You're my steady foundation. You're the thing that I rely upon in my life, right? We don't, we really learn. We don't rely on the, like the stock market. We don't rely on politics and politicians. We rely on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ because we rely on him. Lord, I need you to hear me. I'm desperate for you to hear me. Why does, he, why does he say this? Why does he need the Lord to be attentive to his voice? Notice this. He continues on. He says, for if you are silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. That doesn't sound good. Whatever, again, the context of this exact psalm that David is writing, he felt as though danger was close to him, that death was soon going to be knocking on his door. You know, in other words, David is saying, Lord, if you remain silent and cannot hear me and you will not respond to me, I'm not going to live much longer. I'm going to go down to the pit, down to Sheol, down to the grave. And that's why David is crying out for God's response, for God to intervene. Like, Lord, this is life and death for me here. It's a real circumstance for David. Look at verse 2. It says, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help. 
When I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. David's saying, hear my voice, Lord. Hear me when I cry to you. And he gives us this picture, and I like it. He says, when I lift up my hands to your holy sanctuary. So not only is David... David's words communicating his dependence upon the Lord, but so too he's utilizing his body to communicate the same. He lifts up his hands like, Lord, and I don't know if it was a a receiving motion or like this. Charles Spurgeon, great theologian, said this, uplifted hands have ever been a form of devout posture and are intended to signify a reaching upward towards God, a readiness and eagerness to receive the blessing sought after. We stretch out empty hands, for we are beggars. We lift them up, for we seek heavenly supplies. We lift them toward the mercy seat of Jesus, for there our expectation dwells. I love that. For me, posture is important when it comes to worship and when it comes to prayer. Posture so often communicates externally what we're feeling internally. And for David, he had nothing. He had nothing to bring, nothing to offer. He was empty-handed, and he lifts out his hands to heaven, right? Whatever that looks like for David, saying, God, I need you. I need to receive from you. I'm, I'm solely dependent on you for everything in life. Like I, I'm, I'm just a needy child. I need my dad to, to supply for me. Verse 3, David transitions, notice this, to making a request of the Lord in regards to the wicked. He says, do not drag me away with the wicked and with those who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while... Evil is in their hearts. So what David's saying is, don't treat me the same as you would the wicked. He's, again, he's in this some type of difficulty. We know that feeling. You and I tonight, at some point in our lives, we all go through seasons of hardship. Maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're in a season of hardship. David's crying out to the Lord, Lord, don't be deaf to my cries. Be attentive. You're my rock, Remember. I don't want you to be silent. I need you to speak to me. I'm lifting up my hands as a posture of just listening, gleaning, receiving from you. I'm ready to receive. And now he's saying, Lord, separate me from the fate of the wicked. These guys are the ones who they say one thing with their lips, but they mean something completely different. And he says, evil is just filled in their hearts. Requite them, verse 4, according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requite them according to the deeds of their hands and repay them the recompense. So David is asking for retribution. This, this isn't an imprecatory psalm where David's calling for God's judgment and wrath upon his enemies. It's not one of those. We're going to get to those eventually. But David is simply saying, Lord, just give them what they deserve. That's what he's saying. I mean, tonight, as I was going over this this afternoon, I'm glad the Lord doesn't give me what I deserve. Are you guys glad for that? That the Lord doesn't give us what we do deserve. And I bet David was glad that he didn't get what he deserved. You know, he had to continually throw himself in the mercy of God. Um, But that's the grace of God is still working out in his life. David says, give them what they deserve. Kind of interesting. Verse 5, because... 
they do not regard the works of the Lord over everything that they do, Lord. Their hearts are filled with evil, but this is, this is the, the clincher. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the deeds of his hands. He will tear them down and not build them up. This is what killed David about these guys. He says, not only do they do evil, but Lord, they don't even have any regard for you in their lives. They're, they're so far gone. Their deeds are evil. Their hearts are evil. They have no respect for you, Lord. And David, at the end of the verse, is confident that God would deal with them. He says, they will be torn down. They will not be built up. And now in verse 6, David transitions, notice, to a praise from his prayer. He says, blessed be the Lord. Because he, have, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. Just a few verses before, David was concerned as he fell, finds himself in this place of difficulty that God would be deaf toward him, that God would remain silent toward him. And in this time of prayer, however he went through that process, David here, he regains perspective of who God is. And he's reminded of that, no, 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 God isn't deaf. He hears. He does. When all of my feelings say that God is distant, when all my nightmares worry me that God will not hear me, that God will not be that rock of, of that sure foundation, the truth and the reality is that God is not deaf. Amen? That he does hear. I think of Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are toward their cry for help. That's Psalm 34. Look at verse 7. The Lord, he says, is the strength, is my strength, I should say, and my shield. My heart trusts in him. Notice David is just taking us through this process. Maybe, maybe you came here tonight, you're feeling low. Maybe you're going through a hard and difficult season as well. You're like, dude, I can kind of relate to David's words here. And maybe you feel tonight that the Lord is deaf and he's not listening to you that he's not speaking to you. Maybe you're pleading, you're, maybe you're crying and you're not sure what to do and you're like, I don't want the same fate as the wicked like what David's saying. Listen to his words. Listen to David's words here. Verse seven again. He says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. David recognizes that the Lord wasn't just giving him strength. The Lord wasn't just empowering him to get out of whatever situation that he was finding himself, himself in in this particular time of his life. But notice this, the Lord became his strength. The Lord became his shield. David had this personal relationship with the Lord to know God, not just as this powerful being somewhere in the universe, somewhere up there, but David knew the Lord as being that ever-present help in time of trouble. You know, the, the Lord would tell the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Lord says, it's my power that you need. And because the Lord can be for us, you know, um, David says, my, my heart trusts in him. I am helped. The Lord can be for you and I tonight what we cannot be for ourselves. 
This is David's testimony here as he's walking through this hard season. He was strong for me. I trusted in him and I was helped. That's the process for David. And then he says, because of what God has done for me. Look at the end of verse 7. Because of all of that, he says, therefore, my heart exalts. And with my song, I shall thank him. You know, David is the great worshiper, breaks forth to give God the praise that he so greatly deserves because of what the Lord has done for him. I think, I think the New Living Translation says this, I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. I love that visual. I burst out. Like nothing can kind of contain it. I think of like, a, you put, what is it, the Minto in a, in a Coca-Cola bottle? You ever seen that? Just bursts out. Like, no, you're like, I've never done that. Like, um, no, that, that's just like the visual. It's like, boom, coming forth. I love that picture. Lord, you're worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my praise. And then verse 8, David shifts from a personal prayer, turns it more corporately. He says, the Lord is their strength. And he is a saving defense to his anointed. And this is the prayer for them. He he prays four things, beautiful things. Verse 9. He says, save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. This is, again, this is a great prayer. Man, if you want to pray this for one another, you want to pray this for me. Lord, save your people. Deliver your people. Preserve them from falling into hard times. Rescue them. Bless, he says, bless your inheritance. Like, grant them blessing and peace. And I love the words here, be their shepherd. Man, if there's anything that you and I need in life is for the Lord to be our shepherd to guide us through difficult, dark days. When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we need that good shepherd to be with us so that we would not fear evil. And he says, and carry them forever. Like a father carries his children. Lord, would you carry them? Would you carry us forever? I love that. And then we move on to chapter 29. Let's read, we're going to read it all together. There's only 11 verses here. What we're going to see, though, as we read through this is that in these 11 verses, it uses the word Lord 18 times. It's really interesting. It speaks of his glory four times, and it speaks of his voice seven times. Pretty interesting. James Montgomery Boyce, the Bible commentator, points out that this psalm has no other elements. It is pure praise. It does not call upon us to do anything because this psalm itself is doing the only thing it is concerned about. It is praising God. So that's a little bit of the context of of chapter 29. That's what we're going to see. There's no cry for help. There's no petition. There's no, God, I need you. I'm in this bad situation. There's no other aspect to it other than praise. So let's, let's just read all, all 11 verses. It's a Psalm of David again. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. 
He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire and the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh and the voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare and in his temple everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Love that. In this psalm, the first two verses are introduction. And the final two verses are the conclusion. And then in verses 3 through 9, if you're taking notes, David mentions, again, the voice of the Lord seven times. And it's all in this relationship to this storm that's kind of brewing, if you will. And in these 11 verses, the Lord is spoken to or referred to 25 times in 11 verses. That's incredible. And what that tells me, listen, what that tells me is that the Lord is the Lord even over the storms. Just like he is in our lives, and as we're going to see as we go through this chapter, this is something that he allows. You know, if you remember in the New Testament, so think New Testament, disciples, Jesus. Jesus says, hey, disciples, get into the boat, go across to the other side. And that's what they do. They get in the boat, they go to the other side. And as they're headed to the other side of the lake, they were caught in this terrible storm. And they weren't in this storm because they were disobedient or because there was sin in their lives. They ended in that storm because they obeyed Jesus. And they did exactly what he said to do. That's why they were in the storm. And so as we go in life, you know, there are storms that, that are, are, are sent, I would say, from God to correct us. We see that in Jonah's life. He was running in the complete opposite direction of the Lord. But then there are also storms that we just go through that the Lord allows us to go through that develop our faith, that, that give us a deeper trust in God, that he promises, hey, I'm going to walk through this with you. And that's what we see here. Look at verse 1 again. It says, ascribe or give to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribed to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. So David, he starts out this psalm by exhorting the sons of the mighty or the, the mighty ones. Maybe that's what your translation says. These would be quite possibly strong, obviously strong men in, in and of themselves. They've got position, they've got power, maybe influence. They're not weak at all. But David says, look away from yourselves, look to the Lord and give glory. Give him your strength. Why does David say that? David says, give the Lord glory. That's do his name. It's do his name. David Gudzik in his commentary said this, God's name is do a lot of glory. Therefore, it is right to call men, even mighty men, to worship him. And that's what David's doing here. So three times, right out the gate in this chapter, David says, ascribe or give to the Lord. Give, 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 give to the Lord glory to him. Do his name. Why? Because he needs you? No, no, he doesn't need you. Because he needs something from you. He needs the emotional connection to you. Not at all. But because he's worthy. That's it. Plain and simple, he is worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our affection. 
Last week, my, my wife and I, we went on a trip with Pastor Josh and Danae. We were down in southern Utah, and as we were driving one of the days, we were listening to a sermon out of uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. And the person, the pastor speaking, was sharing the importance of giving the Lord um, your youth or your younger years. And, you know, Jeremiah was roughly, I think, 16 or 17 when he got the call from the Lord on his life. But he says, you know, you'll never regret, this pastor, you'll never regret giving the Lord your younger years. You'll never regret it. Give the Lord your younger years. And the reason why he was saying that is not because God needs youthful people on his team or doing, caring about his ministry. It's not like God is in heaven saying, oh man, if only, we, you know, we had a couple 16-year-olds that could just go, go, go and serve, serve, serve. No, 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 that's not, that's not the heart of even what the pastor was saying. But we give him our youth, and I'm speaking even of myself, we give him our lives, even from a young age, and we go all in for Jesus because he's worthy of it. Because he's worthy of it. And tonight you might be like, well, Ryan, I'm definitely not a youthful and I, I, I didn't give him my youth when I was younger. I didn't walk with Jesus. You can start now to go all in because he's worthy of your life as well. He's worthy. That's why we give to the Lord the glory, the praise, do his name. Verse three, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord is over many waters, or maybe your translation says, or great waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. That idea is that it's awesome. It's, it's, or it's just it displayed super powerfully. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. It, it doesn't say the wind, notice that. It doesn't say a hurricane of the Lord or a tornado, it says simply the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The seed, these cedars of Lebanon were well known for their size and their strength. Some spanned some 200 feet tall. And so just imagine these huge trees. And, and these were the trees that actually got imported to, to build um, the, David's house. But yet, even in their just vastness and, and just hugeness, the voice, it's simply the voice of the Lord that is so strong that just breaks it into pieces. You know, I think about this. If this is how strong his voice is, how strong do you think his hand is? You're like, man, I don't think even God can affect my current circumstance and change it. Think about it this way. If his voice is is taking these cedar trees and just like, they're no big, like a Kit Kat, you know? <laughs> That's just what his voice does. What do you think his arm can do in your life? I think about the snow and ice storm that we just went through in January. How many of you had a mess in your yard? Some of you were very fortunate, but I didn't have a huge mess. But it took a lot it took a lot of elements, different elements to create such a, I mean, if you drove through Gladstone, like Gladstone was like, it looked like a war zone. Like, I mean, just trees down everywhere. Um, roads were being closed. 
And it took a lot for that to happen. I mean, we went through some, some snow and ice and cold days to make that mess, but not with the Lord. It's just, he, David's just saying his voice is simply that powerful. His voice. That's incredible. Look at verse 6. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf. In Syrian, like a young wild ox. It's a Mount Hermon he's speaking of. Just dancing. What? This is the Lord, the powerfulness of, the, of God. The voice of the Lord, in verse 7, hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh, and the voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. Wow. And in his temple, I love this, everything says glory. At the pinnacle of all of this, this storm, it's being triggered by the voice of the Lord, draws the attention of the worshiper in the temple. And David says everything in the temple just says glory. They're seeing, they're witnessing the vastness, the wonder of God, and they're just worshiping. No, I think of verse 2 of the same psalm. David says, you know, ascribe to the Lord. Give to the Lord glory that's due his name. And the people, though, they're fulfilling that here, here in this verse, in verse 9. They're fulfilling that calling. Lord, glory to your name. You are worthy. You're worthy. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, this psalm made me think of, of the song, At Your Name. And so I actually wrote some of the words down. And then about an hour ago or two hours ago, I was looking at Pastor Josh's set list. And the very first song that he hasn't sang in probably a very long time was At Your Name. I just thought that it was just incredible. Like that's just a, a God-like thing right there. But At Your Name, we just sang it. The mountains shake and crumble. The oceans roar and tumble. Angels bow, the earth rejoice. And then the, our response as worshipers, as in the temple, it's like, Lord, like we shout your name. We give you glory. We worship you. I love that. I just thought that was really interesting. Like, man, that's the Holy Spirit, guys. Holy Spirit moment. Look at verse 10. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. You know, is what's interesting about this word for flood. The only other time in the Old Testament that it's spoken is in Genesis. And it's reference to the flood of Noah in Noah's day. And so what David is speaking of, he says, Lord, you are king. You are mightier than the mightiest of storms. That flood in Noah's day did some wrecking, right? It did, some, it did some damage, but Lord, you're in charge of it all. You're the king that just sits at the flood. You sat as king at the flood, he says. The greatest thing for you and I that we think will destroy our lives, David's like, Lord, you've got control. You've got supreme authority over. Lord, that's who you are. Look at verse 11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You know, you think, you think of the power of God, the mightiness of God, if you will. He not only has the ability and the strength and the capability to destroy, right? But he also has the ability to give you and I strength as his people, to strengthen us. That's what David's saying here. And then he says, the Lord will give you peace. And I love that. 
as his children, we can have, you and I tonight, we can have great confidence that when we go through storms in our lives, and we're all, we all have those seasons that we go through. When we go through storms of our lives, the Lord desires to give us his peace. That peace that the Bible says that surpasses all understanding. Where we don't, Lord, we don't even need to know why. But we've got you. That's all we need. Think of, of John 14, that J Jesus was saying, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That's the peace that the Lord desires to give us in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our battle. And maybe, and maybe we, did, we need to just remember that tonight. Remember the greatness of God. We, we obviously know the Lord allows storms sometimes in our lives. But maybe we need to be reminded that he is king over the storms. He's king. And the disciples we're in the boat and Jesus is walking on water. Man, he can just, he can do anything. Maybe we just need to be reminded of his greatness, of his vastness, of his wonder, and that he desires to give us peace. I love that. Look, let's look at chapter 30. We'll keep, we're going to keep going. You guys are doing good. Are you still awake? Oh, no. I lost him. <laughs> Says a psalm. The NASB says a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house, a psalm of David. Again, another psalm of David written at the dedication of the house. Many scholars believe that David wrote this psalm, is actually written um, prophetically for the future dedication of the temple. The one that David, remember, would plan for. He would prepare for, he would get all the supplies ready for, but Solomon would build it. David wouldn't get a chance to see it. The Lord wouldn't have that for him. Um, but maybe this was written, uh, David just looking forward to that day when the temple would be built. He's thinking upon it. He says in verse one, I will extol you, O Lord. Love that. Why? For you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. David gives reason for his praise. And he says, why? Well, there's a lot of reasons we're going to see, actually. Well, let's start with this one. Lord, you lifted me up. That's why I praise you. I was falling. I was down. But Lord, you found me and you lifted me up. You know, I think of uh, David's words in Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. This is the New Living. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. David knew and understood his security and standing as king of Israel was a work of God and God alone. Lord, you did this for me and I praise you. You lifted me up. Verse two, oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. David's saying another reason. Lord, here's another reason why I'm praising you. I'm worshiping you because I cried to you, you healed me. I cried, I asked for you to help and you came through for me. And no doubt, there were many times when David received healing from the Lord. And David just takes time, though, here to worship him. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> he says, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down 
from the pit. David knew that he was still alive because of the Lord's protection over him. David wasn't immortal. Eventually his body would die. He would pass away from this life. However, David faced many situations in his life where God had to come through and rescue him. You think of David versus the versus Goliath, the giants. You think of David on the run from Saul. You think of David running from his own son Absalom. And those are just three names of the many battles and the many situations that he was found in. Impending danger, situations that David definitely could have died. But God rescued him. And David just thinking upon the faithfulness of the Lord in his life. Lord, you've been so faithful. So many times I thought it was the end, but yet you came through. You know, it's easy, excuse me, it's easy to look at where you're at now and just focus on that and forget about all that God has done for you leading up to that moment. But I pray, and and what we try, my, my wife and I, we try to do in our lives is recap every so often, recap the years of God's faithfulness to us, recounting the stories of how good he's been to us. And, and, and why we do that is that it gives us faith and it encourages us to have faith to trust him all the more today and tomorrow for the unknowns of life. A few days ago, we were just over at my in-law's house for dinner. We'd have a family dinner. And towards the end, everyone was gone and we were sitting down with Mary's parents and we're just talking, just recently the Lord blessed Mary and I with a a couch someone in the church gave us and we're just like, I don't know, we're probably way too excited to get a couch, but we are, we're really excited about it. But we just feel like really blessed by the Lord. We're just like, Lord, thank you for that. But it kind of led to the four of us talking about all the ways God has blessed us throughout the years. And Doug and Janet um, were sharing just, just the things that they've, you know, been blessed from the Lord. You know, ministry can be hard and difficult. I think Pastor Doug, he's been like preaching and, and, and pastoring this church for almost 30 years, like going into 30 years. That's a long time. Ministry can be tiring, but just hearing their stories of how God has just blessed them been faithful to them. Mary and I were just like, man, we just, we think of whether, what, what, even if it's a material thing or just like whatever in our lives, we're just like, thank you, Lord. Like every good and perfect gift comes from you. And just remembering his faithfulness, even in the hard times. And that, but again, that just fuels us for the future, right? It keeps us going. It keeps us trusting. So I encourage you, maybe on your way home tonight, Maybe in the car, you, your wife, or whoever you're with, just maybe like tell a story. Just like, man, God's really been faithful to me. He really bailed me out. I should have been, I should have been dead. Maybe it's a huge story, like testimony like that. I should have been dead on the side of the road or whatever. But God, who's rich in mercy, I should have been bankrupt. I should have lost our house or whatever it is. How has God been faithful to you? Think about it. Because here's the thing. Thinking upon that is just going to remind you today and tomorrow that he's going to be faithful for the next storm that you're in. And a failure to forget his past faithfulness, it's going to, it's going to put you in fear today and tomorrow for the storms of life. Look at verse 4. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Why? Verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Amen to that? Can we get an amen? Let's come on. Let's, yeah, there we go. I gotta warm you guys up for Josh. He's coming back in a couple of minutes, guys. Hang with us. His anger is but for a moment. 
But his favor is for a lifetime. You know, after calling the people to praise, David gives, gives them reasons for it. And he says here, his anger, guys, it doesn't last forever. It's just for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. I think of Micah 7. He says, who is God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? I love this part. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Are you guys so happy that we serve and we worship a God who delights to show mercy, to not give us what we do deserve? He says, weeping may last for the night, but a joy or a shout of joy comes in the morning. What a, just this beautiful contrast. You notice what he's doing? He's, t- he's talking about, he, first he says anger, and then he's contrasting that with favor. And he says his anger lasts for a moment, but the contrast is that his, his, his favor lasts for a lifetime. And now he's talking about weeping. He says weeping lasts for the night, but shouts of joy, they come in the morning. And I love that. Now look at verse six and seven. They're a little tougher, a little different. David's talking, going to talk about his prosperity. I believe um, that David is boasting in these two verses. He's telling us how he became overly confident. And then the Lord dealt with him. Look at verse 6. Now as for me, David says, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. Oh Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. So David says, I was, I was quite the prosperous of individuals. <laughs> I said in my strength, he says, I said in my prosperity, and I'm never going to be moved. I am immovable. David just recounting a time in his life where just the prosperity, the provision that he experienced actually hurt him, not helped him. But then he remembers that the Lord's favor was on him. Look again in verse 7. Oh, Lord, by your favor. Now, this, isn't, this has nothing to do with me. By your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. Again, David is contrasting the seasons in his life. And he realizes that the favor and the blessings in his life were not a result of his greatness, but they were a direct result of the hand of the Lord that was upon him. And then he says, you hid your face and I was dismayed. You know, think about many times when David felt and experienced the presence of the Lord in his life. And he knew at this time that his, this relationship with the Lord that I once knew, it's being hindered by something going on. The Lord was hiding his face. You know, I think of Psalm 27, Pastor Kevin just taught last week on it, where David says, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Lord, I need this relationship. It's like a father into a son just talking. Like, turn your face to me. Verse 8, to you, O Lord, I called. And to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? David, he's no longer cocky anymore, no longer feeling his prosperity. He says, what profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? That means die. Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Verse 10, hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. And of course, God always answers. I love it. Verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me. You've clothed me, saying, with gladness. Listen, it wasn't David's prosperity that did this. 
David didn't buy his happiness. David didn't buy these seasons of dancing. This favor in his life that he's experiencing was a direct result from God intervening in his life. David says, the biggest difference in my life to take me from a season of mourning into a season of rejoicing, a season of wearing sackcloth to being now clothed with gladness. Again, it wasn't my riches. It wasn't my, my, my earthly happiness. It was all results in you, Lord. You turned my mourning, my sadness into dancing, into rejoicing. Why? Verse 12, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I'll boil it down with this one word. Worthy. (laughs) Because he's worthy. Why, why, Why do you do this, Lord? So that I would sing to you, that my soul would praise you and not be silent. David acknowledges the reason that God would do this incredible work in his life is so that he would praise the Lord, so that he would worship the Lord, that he would declare the majesty of God. And then he closes once again, the last line of verse 12. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. You know, as we close tonight, it's all of the verses. You guys did a good job. You guys stayed with me. Three chapters. As we close tonight, we're going to do just that. Josh, you can come up. We're going to worship. <laughs> Not forever, because we have Sunday school teachers, and they're, they gave us a time limit. They're like, out by nine, let's go. No. <laughs> but we're going to close with worshiping the Lord together. And I pray that for us tonight, that this would not just be song time. And I I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Song time is great, and it's a great time around the campfire when you're camping, you know, and you sing songs. Everyone's just kind of reminiscing, ah, man, I've sing these songs. Much more than that. I pray that this time would be a true time of response, responding to who God is and what he has done for us. And for you tonight, and maybe for me, as I, as I just rejoin in the chairs, it might be a time of just recounting God's faithfulness in your life. Maybe you won't even sing with your, your lips, your voice. But maybe you'll just be thinking through how God is, oh God, you've lifted me up like David. You've done so much in my life. I should have been dead, but I'm alive here tonight because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness. And you're just thinking, Lord, now I just want to respond and worship. Not songs, not fancy lyrics that we like singing from the radio or whatever, but true worship. God, you're worthy of this. You're so good. That's what worship means. Worthship, declaring the worthiness of God. Lord, I worship you. You've healed me. Maybe you've experienced healing in your life. Think about that. Think about that tonight. Lord, I was sick and and you delivered me. I think we've all experienced healing to some degree. But I think that the enemy would, would have us forget about God's faithfulness to us. Forget about how he's walked with us all these years. 
but I pray that we would just respond however the Lord leads you. And maybe it's just praise, Lord. Thank you that your anger only lasts for a moment, but your favor in my life lasts for a lifetime. I'm sealed because of you. That's Psalm 23, and, I'm, and I know one day I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe you just wanna thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord, that you've taken seasons of my life that were just sadness and weeping. And now I, tonight, I'm just, I can rejoice, I can smile. Whatever it would be for you, let this be just a time that we respond to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we, we offer this time. We wait on you. And I pray just for my brothers and sisters tonight that you would maybe bring to them remembrance. Maybe some tonight you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know how God has been good to me or faithful to me. Lord, I pray that you would bring to their heart and their mind right now, just flood their memory bank with how good and faithful you've been. And that tonight, God, we would be able as your body worship you, just your family of faith, declaring how good you are. So we worship you tonight, Lord. We worship you in song. We worship you even as David did, just in our posture. Lord, some of us, we open our hands, just we need to receive from you. And some of us, we raise our hands to declare your praise and your wonder, Lord. But we worship you tonight. We wait on you. Holy Spirit, meet us in this place. If you need prayer tonight as we continue to worship, uh, you can either turn to the person next to you, but if that feels uncomfortable, I'd love to pray for you. I'll be up here by the, near the cross and whatever it would be. I just pray that we would respond, respond to the Lord tonight.